what do you know? Welcome, everybody, to another edition of After Further Review. I'm your host, Alex Hale. We made it to episode two. Holy cow. Whoa, this is amazing. Breaking news. We made it to episode two. Um, so real quick, going forward, a lot of these episodes are not going to be as long as the last episode. If you made it through that first episode, you deserve a medal. You deserve I know a lot of people were listening. Y'all deserve medals. Congratulations. I appreciate y'all. And I got a lot of great feedback from people uh, welcoming me back and saying, we hope you're here to stay. Well, we'll see about that. Um, you know, a lot's going on with uh, baseball, basketball, and some football. But um, obviously, you know, the big story of the week being the Mike Clevenger, Zach Plesak uh, debacle and the falling out of that. As we know, uh, they broke curfew, violating team and league rules uh, by going out with friends. Um, they say they did everything safe, and that's awesome. Great job, guys. I can applaud them on that, that they're claiming everyone was tested and negative, and they all were wearing masks, socially distancing. And if that's the case, first and foremost, I just want to at least say, good job on that part. But there are rules in this whole system right now to contain everything. We don't want another breakout like the Marlins had, like the Cardinals had, where the Cardinals didn't even play game in August until about August 14th. We don't want that for any other team. Marlins didn't play for, what, 10 days it was, like the first 10 games or something? And now they're playing double headers and they're making up games like crazy, like the Cardinals are about to be doing. No one wants that. And look, I get you're being held up and you guys are kind of like, hey, you know, we just want to get out and hang with our friends. And I can relate to that because, like, the past four months, just being locked up, you know, I had, I, I'm just going to say this, my best friend lives in Michigan, and you'll hear him on the show later on, and like, later as we go along, you know, in series of these episodes, my buddy Anthony Ianey up in Michigan, I've wanted to see, I haven't seen him in two years, we've been talking about golfing together again for about a year, it's never come together it always falls apart, not for lack of trying. But, you know, with quarantine and everything, we've had to be careful. We've had to delay it. Now, are we going to do something? It sounds like we are, but we've been playing everything so safe to where I don't want to put his wife and his kids at risk. Now, I've been in quarantine for the most part. I'm, getting, I'm starting a new job part-time before my job calls me back this week. So I got to be careful, you know, with Anthony. I don't want to put him at risk. And that's why these protocols are in place. Because if you're out with your friends, which I totally get, because I wanted to do it. I want to hang out with my buddy Anthony. I miss my work friends, my non-work friends, my friends who are from out of town who are in town. I miss them. I want to hang with them. But I follow the guidelines to keep myself safe. And that's why these rules are here. Now, again, like I said, I get where they're coming from, where they want to hang out with friends. They want to just get out. No shame in that. 
There is shame in you knew the rules existed. You violate them anyways. And in Mike Clevenger's case, you didn't tell anyone. You put your whole team at risk with a high-risk candidate in Carlos Carrasco. And the perception, I'm not saying anything on Mike Clevenger, the person, or Zach Plesak, the person. I am 100% sure these dudes are good people and they did not mean to cause any harm. I am 100% convinced in that. The perception is they were just selfish and they just didn't think about the team. And that, for me, in a perception thing, whether it be true or not, is was the intent or anything, is beyond the case. Perception can sometimes be reality. And if it's being perceived as selfish and, you know, letting the team down, then, man, that's not good. That hurts the team. The team, it, it clearly by reports coming out from Jeff Passan today, that the team was infuriated. The team was upset. And Oliver Perez threatened to opt out on the spot if they let him back on the roster. That tells you that what they did created a divide in the locker room, which is the last thing the Indians needed, especially with it coming from the rotation. So I'm not saying, again, that they're bad people. I'm just saying this is a really bad look for both. When you had arguably the best rotation in baseball, Zach, please make it a huge step forward. Mike Clevenger is slowly starting to figure things out and everything, which, you know, getting his, you know, reps in and getting his game on. Like, dude, it's heartbreaking to see for everyone not just the Indians to lose them, but for Clevenger and Plesak. And I'll just say this, for Plesak being really only a year into his major league career, it was a young and stupid mistake. And the double down like he did with the videos, I know he's taking them down now. It was another young and dumb mistake. I get that. The advice I'd say is, okay then, put your head down, Work at the alternative site, re, build everyone's trust up in you again. Because I'm going to say this I believe in Zach Plesa. I believe that he deserves a second chance. For him being young and stupid, look, we've all made really dumb decisions. We've all posted dumb stuff. This is Zach's first thing. And is it a biggie? Oh, it's a biggie. It's a real biggie. But I would say he deserves a second chance. And he comes from a baseball family. You know, his uncle playing the bigs for years. I guarantee you, he's not just hearing it from the players, from his coaches, or the organization. He's hearing it from Uncle Dan. And that's the other thing I'm betting on. Is Uncle Dan saying, dude, come on. What are you doing? Like, use, use this opportunity. You have to prove yourself all over again and build everyone's trust back up. And I'm, I feel confident Zach Plesak's going to do that. So 
was the option down the right move? Absolutely. You can't tolerate what they did. You can't because then it sends a message that anyone can do it. And, you know, from perception of Tito in the past, it's no nonsense. Like, no, not going to deal with it. You want to, you going to do this? You're going to put the team behind your personal interests. And Tito's always come across as this guy. If you're going to put your interests in front of the team, don't want you. Or we're going to, we're going to send a message. And I hope it's a message received for Zach Plesak, uh, because I think he's got a long career ahead of him. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think he's got a lot of growing to do on the mound, which he was doing. And I think he's got growing to do now off the field. But I do believe in him still. I'm not going to just say, you know, let's just trade him. Look, if that's the case, then we should have traded Albert Bell 50 times. We should have traded Manny Ramirez at least 20 times. We should have blown up the 95 team the first chance we got. I mean, come on. We've had personalities. Heck, we should have traded Trevor Bauer after 2016. If this is really the case we're going off of, you know, for Plesak, we should have traded Trevor Bauer. We definitely should have. After 2016, we just should have done it, cut our ties, you know, whatever, and that's it. But we didn't. And I think a lot of credit has to go. Like, as bad as that was, you have to give credit to Tito in the front office for sitting down with, I would bet, Trevor Bauer and talking to him about it. And, you know, talking to him about what he did and what it cost him. And having Trevor come to the realization, God, I really messed this up. You know, I mean, he jokes about it now which shows you he can learn from it because if you're joking about it, you've learned from it. So my hope is please sack it sent down. It's a humbling moment for him and he becomes a better professional going forward. As for Clevenger, the, again, this is the perception as reality thing and it's coming from my mind. Clevenger showed up the next day. Now, I'm a little bit surprised Plesak didn't out him, but I think because they're best friends, he didn't out him. He took the fall. Um, which, in a way, if that's the case, is an honorable thing as a friend. Which I can say, you know, man, you must be a really good friend to have, Zach. And, you know, as bad as the situation's been, that's something I can look at and say, you want to, at the end of the day, you're being a good person. To your friend, but you didn't put the team first. And that's something that is definitely coachable, I think. Um, as for Clev, he didn't show up. I mean, he showed up the next day. He didn't admit to it. Players suspected, clearly. And, you know, we don't have the whole story, but as we know now, he showed up, was there, flew back with them, and then we found out. And that is the one thing as a fan that kind of bugs me. He knew he was there and he didn't say anything. He put the others at risk more so than Plesak. And granted, I love Mike Lovinger. I think he's a heck of a pitcher. I, I mean, I'm one of those guys who was not 
you know, against, you know, keeping him here long term. But this is one of those things where the team comes first. Ohio State fans are going to hate me for saying this, but Bo Schembechler always said this. The team, the team, the team. Team always comes first. You got to put the team, especially in these times where it's going to take a unified effort to keep yourself safe, healthy, and competitive for potential world championship run with this rotation, it's very possible. And now you're putting it all at risk and you put everyone at risk, especially your high-risk teammate, Carlos Carrasco. I mean, God, for me, I mean, just me. If it was me around the front office, I'd be trying to move him. I, I just, granted, I like that they sent him down. And the possibility of him, you know, staying down through the deadline and losing that service time where he can be a free agent in three years instead of two, God, that's a punishment. But I, I'll just add, that is a, whew, that is a labor uh, grievance to be debated. Now, I think it's a very – you can make a case on either side. Like, oh, it's it's too much punishment. Or, no, he put the team at risk. It's enough punishment. It would be the most interesting labor grievance we will have seen if it got to that point. Um, but for me, I know last week we were talking about, you know, maybe we should move in the offseason. For me, I'm like, God – might need to consider it now because if the team's not going to accept them back, this all comes down to is the team going to accept them back or not? If they're not going to accept them back, then you don't really have a choice. And the same thing goes for police act. If they're not going to accept them back as much as it pains me to say it to lose both of them, which I like them both as pitchers and they just seem to be decent people from Twitter. Other than, you know, the past week, obviously, they just seem to be fun, you know, unique personalities. And we all love Trevor Bauer for that. I'll use that again. We all love Bauer for that. And I love them for that. So to say, like, you know, for the, them having unique personalities, I don't like them the same that I like Bauer is hypocritical. You know, it's kind of a fresh take in the league. But the fact they didn't put the team first is kind of unforgivable in my eyes. Um, so the question becomes, are you going to hold them down through the deadline, have a team get them for three years, maybe help his price, or are you going to just trade them with two years of control uh, remaining after this year? So I'm doing this for a second week. I didn't want to do it for a second week, but I feel it's necessary because I think Flev is on the block. Um, simply because it just seems like what he did was more unforgivable than Plesak in the player's eyes and warrants the necessary move, especially with less control compared to Plesak. It just makes sense to just cut ties now See what you can get. If it's not there, don't do it. And just don't call him up. Get the extra year and then trade him in the offseason. 
you know? And maybe someone will say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to trade for him now. And, you know, maybe he's humbled and maybe you get more than who knows, but it's all hypothetical. Um, so I took the time to, uh, look at some trade options. Uh, there are two that are interesting, and I'll get to them last. The first one, um, I looked at the standings before I did this, so I made sure that we had, you know, accurate standings. We knew where everyone was. I'm not just throwing a team out there simply because, you know, oh, it's a fit. No, I, I got to believe these teams will do because they feel competitive now and they want to be competitive in the future. So sitting five games back, a half game out of the third place spot, and I believe would qualify them for the ace spot in the National League of San Diego with the red hot Fernando Tatis Jr.'s leading the league in home runs as we're recording. Um, so we look at their top prospects. Um, I think, you know, knowing uh, knowing common trends that the Indians look for, um, which are, you know, speed, fielding, solid bat, toolsy guys that are outfielders. I would have to think Taylor Trammell is probably a target and a guy that can help right now um, with the outfield the way it is. And that's something you need to, everybody needs to see. It's a common trend that if you looked at every player outside of really Domingo Santana, look at Greg Allen, Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Mercado, Naquin when he originally came out, came up, and find the common trend. Speed, fielding, solid bat. They're toolsy guys. They don't have a wow tool. They're just solid all-around players. Some may be better defenders than others. Some may be better hitters than others. Naquin's clearly the best out of those four hitting. And I'd argue Zimmer is the best defender of the four with Mercado. And you could argue Mercado and Zimmer are the better base runners of the group. And I would even argue Greg Allen is up there. I think he's the most versatile of the bunch uh, in terms of outfields. But there's a common trend. So one would have to safely believe, looking at Taylor Trammell's profile and being major league ready, he'd be a guy that the Indians could look at. Um, Michael Baez would be another one, uh, more reliever, probably to add more depth to the bullpen now. Another power arm, thinking of a potential going forward trio of Baez, Karinchek, and Class A. Yikes. That, that'd be fun. Uh, and then a prospect in Ryan Weathers, who's not ready now, but he could be in about a year or two. A solid lefty starter with good control. Uh, his father used to play in the majors. So, there's that. Do I think San Diego's an option? Eh, that's why I said them first. I don't know. I doubt it, though. Uh, Tampa Bay, this is kind of a wishful thinking trade. It's similar to what we talked about last week, the Xavier Woods, Shane Baz, and I threw in Josh Lowe uh, as an outfielder because, again, you got to be guessing if a Clevenger trade is made. It's safe to say they're going to look for a young bat that can help now. And I think Lowe can help now, Edwards can help now, and you go from there. But again, there's no wow outfielder bat. Um, I would even argue Taylor Trammell's not a wow outfielder bat, but that's another story for another day. Because I know there are Indians fans that say, 
oh, we should have gotten Trammell in the Bauer trade. Personally, I'm not that high on Taylor Trammell as a lot of others are. I think he's just a toolsy outfielder with upside hitting, but he strikes out a ton. So, and I, I hate players that strike out a ton. Outside of really Joey Gallo, because Joey Gallo hits the ball a freaking mile, and I just stand in awe, and I'm still mad he was in the home run derby. He would have hit the upper deck. I'm convinced. If Gallo was in it, he would have hit the upper deck. I'm beyond convinced. That guy can just do it. I know he can. Um, moving on, uh, the main one, Atlanta. They have a need. And I would say Christian Pache or Drew Waters has to be involved. You need one of them to get this done. With Soroka injured and out for at least a year, Atlanta has the need, and they need to go for it now and in the future. Pache or Waters has to be involved. Um, I prefer Pache because I like his upside more than Waters, but I'll take Waters. So I think Waters is more major league ready for right now. Pache is defensively ready. Bat may take a little bit. Shea Longliers, we talked about him last week. High upside catcher. Uh, and Tucker Davidson, lefty starter um, who might be major league ready, you know, in the next year. Uh, they drafted uh, lefty and Jared Schuster in the 2020 draft. So the reason why I think they trade Davidson is they drafted Schuster. They can afford to lose one. The interesting one, and this is a long shot because it's a money thing. So one can safely say if the financials do not add up, but it's close because it's Clevenger. It's close. If if financials were able to be moved around and whatever. It's closer than most, let's just say that. It's Boston. Boston needs pitching going forward. They have some interesting young bats. They have literally no pitching. Chris Sale isn't going to pitch until next year. Eduardo Rodriguez, we don't know if he'll ever pitch again, which prayers out to him with his heart condition coming from COVID. Um, and they have some guys, but they're in the lower levels. They need guys for now. And that could be Mike Clevenger. The trade, it's a straight up deal. I don't think they'd move Ben Attendee and I like him, but I, I don't think he's the guy you need. It'd be JD Martinez. It would possibly be a rental. He's got player options the next two years. This is a win-now move. If you think the players can accept Plesak back, if you think that J.D. Martinez will hit the way you need him to and you get enough defense from either him or Franmil in the outfield, like if you put Franmil out there because he'll be towards the deadline, so maybe he's ready to do it. If you think you've got enough bats there with J.D. picking up some of the slack now in the cleanup spot and taking pressure off of Frankie. Well then my goodness, my goodness, you have a lineup. You have a lineup one through seven, maybe even one through eight. 
once Roberto Perez is healthy again and he's swinging the bat well. Now you can make a run this year. Now you're a threat to the Twins this year. And maybe even, you know, if the Indians decide, look, the Frankie Lindor market's not there, so we're not going to trade him. So, my goodness. Guess what? We'll just go for it and convince J.D. to stay. And you go for it one more year. You could possibly go for it for two years if you decide, look, the Frankie market's not there. We're not going to trade him for nothing. And, you know, we'll see how our season goes. And if we fall apart, then we'll just trade him. And it'll be like the Manny Machado trade. Wouldn't be a wild trade, but you'll get a solid return for him. I mean, we'll see how the trade works out for the Orioles. But, you know, I think you'll get at least a solid return for a guy who will have a half a year of control. So. At the end of the day, though, I want everybody to understand there is no way to predict what's going on with the trade deadline because there's no real film for anyone to see. I know they're working on trading film and information, um, and that's great, but you only have a 60-man roster. A lot of the prospects that are in the top 10 aren't even on the 60-man roster, as we talked about last week. Guy, a guy like Brain Rokio is not on the 60-man roster for the Indians. So he's not even at the alternative training site. And we talked about how the Mets, some of their top prospects, they're not even at the they're not even on the roster. This is going to be a very tricky trade deadline to predict. And it wouldn't shock me if no trade is made. The decision really comes down to can the team trust them again? And if they do, great. Then we'll see what we got and move forward from here. If not, look, hate to see them go. They're great talents. One or both of them. They're both great talents. And no one wants to lose great talents. But at the end of the day, it's like in a workplace. If you do something that is like that, You can't blame the employer for saying, look, it's not going to work out. We can't trust you. The end of the day comes down to, can you trust them? For me, I think I can trust Zach Plesak in the future. It's a young and dumb mistake, and hopefully he learns. If not, it's on me. As for club, I love him. But man, what he did, I don't know if it's forgivable. I just don't. So that's just my opinion, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Yes, we only did a 30-minute show. Uh, We're going to work on one uh, that's going to be coming out maybe in the next week, maybe a little bit earlier. We're working on it. We're going to have Jack McCurry. You guys know him. You guys love him. We are going to be talking calves next time. We're going to talk about Kobe Altman. If you know me, oh boy, it's going to be a fun show with Jack. Cannot wait to discuss it with him. Hope you guys leave a a rating here on iTunes. Uh, If you're listening on iTunes, leave a review if you like it. Make sure everybody knows about it. You can follow me at the CLE Sports Guy. I am your host, Alex Hale. 
And guess what, guys? We are out.